Hi, my name is Ellie Cody, and this is Manhattan Sideways. On today's episode, I interview Chad Bechtel of Consigliere. Here's what Betsy Bober-Pallaby, founder of Manhattan Sideways, had to say about Consigliere. My husband's son and I were big fans of The Lodge, a 250-square-foot boutique for unique gift ideas for men. I was initially taken aback when I stopped by over the summer and thought that The Lodge was gone. But when I entered the new shop with a puzzled look on my face, Chad immediately assured me that he and his team had not gone anywhere. They simply changed their direction and their name. Sitting down with him and hearing his story of how Consigliere, his men's beauty shop, evolved, he quickly made me a true believer. Men need to spend time and money and have a regiment skincare program the same way women do. It doesn't have to be complicated and it certainly doesn't have to cost a fortune, but it seems well worth a visit to East 10th Street to speak with Chad. He has traveled extensively, researching the best products to carry in his shop, and was then inspired to create his own brand, The Man Shop. According to Chad, you might think you look great now, but a lot of what he is promoting is preventative, a long-term plan. And I am happy to report that scattered throughout the shelves of face and body products from around the world are still some good original gift ideas. As a matter of fact, my son recently found what he believed to be the perfect groomsman's gift in this extraordinary East Village specialty shop. Chad, if I could just have you introduce yourself and tell me the name of your business, please. I'm Chad Bechtel. I'm the founder and owner of Consigliere and the Lodge Man Shop. And what kind of business is Consigliere? Consigliere is a a men's beauty store. Mm -hmm. I believe we are likely one of the only beauty stores for guys in the country. And we help guys look and feel their best. Uh We created it because there wasn't really a destination for guys to experience skincare products, hair care products and body care in a place that was made for them. Mm-hmm. And consigliere means advisor. It does. Right? So how does that relate to what you do here? I named it consigliere because I wanted that to be this, the, the mission purpose of what we do. So what we do is we give advice and we help people with information and guide them into making decisions, whether that's with us or with other stores or brands. It's really about helping them learn about the kinds of things that are gonna help them solve the issues that they identify. So the name to me was really about that process and our role with the consumers on that journey as being advisors. Secondarily, I'm also a fan of the Godfather movie, as a lot of guys are. And it's one of the coolest roles in the Godfather series was the consigliere, the trusted advisor to the to the boss. There was kind of that secondary reference. Uh, so if you visit our retail space in New York, it is called consigliere. It used to be called the Lodge. Um, we renamed it when we did the remodeling and the focus in in expanding the focus on men's beauty products and men's grooming products. Um, so if you visit us in person, you're going to experience the products that you would see on our website, shopconsigliere.com. The Lodge still exists online, so lodgegoods.com still holds many of the accessory products that we used to offer in the store that aren't here anymore, but the in-store product and experience is focused on is focused on beauty and grooming, which is consigliere. I grew up in a small town in Virginia 
before I left for college, I had not really traveled very far from that, that town. I went to college in Virginia. I moved to New York City for my first job. I got opportunities in, in Ohio. I moved there to California. I moved there. And I just sort of, my, my world has grown and my interests have grown. And once I started working in the corporate world, I had the opportunity to travel a lot globally for different reasons, whether it be to research product, to, under, to visit those businesses that we might've had over there if I was working for The Gap or Levi's or to visit factories. And I would start going frequently to Japan and then to Korea. What's cool there is just the, the trends in fashion in Japan are, they're so pure and identifiable. As soon as you go there, you're like, wow, there's like five trends that are happening. And all the designers from every American brand go to Japan to, to shop fashion. So I would go to Japan two to four times a year. And after I started the lodge, I would go once or twice a year. And funny enough, a lot of the brands that I discovered for the lodge that were American bag makers or accessory makers, I'd never heard of until I went to Japan uh, because they had discovered, they had found Drifter, this bag company that was in Cleveland. No one really knew about them, but I saw them in Japan and I reached out when I got back. And there's sort of a lot of stories like that that I was able to to find and learn about these makers because Japanese retailers and buyers had discovered them. When I started on this journey with skincare, I started going to Korea and I spent time last fall in Seoul um, really learning about the products and the technology so that I could broaden my own knowledge about it so that I could help people. What made you want to base your business in New York City? It was honestly lifestyle. I was already here. So I had, this is my third time leaving New York City. You know, someone said to me once, if you ever have the chance to live in California, you should. So I did that. I, I, I lived in San Francisco twice, so a, a, a total of 10 years. Before I started my own company, I always worked in the corporate world. And I always moved to a new city because that job took me there. And so a job brought me back to New York the third time. After a year, I realized that I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be with the company that brought me back anymore, but I was ready to start my own thing. In the corporate world, I always took assignments where there was a startup involved, or we were starting a new division, we were trying to turn around a, a big, you know, a business that was, that was ailing, and those are the kinds of things that I've always been focused on, and I always knew I wanted to do my own thing, but I didn't know what that would be. So I just kept saving money and learning skills. And when I felt like I had both of those things to a level that I could start something, the last company I worked for helped me identify what that was, which was accessories. You know, I was able to, to start the business because of all the things I've learned. But I, it, was, it was really the, the travel, the winter of 2012, uh -huh. after, you know, I, t I always take off after Christmas. So it was like two or three weeks in Asia. I was like, I don't know, I can't go back to that place. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go back to my job, and I'm seeing all these amazing accessories in Japan that I don't even. I'm in the fashion world. I haven't heard of these brands, and there's just something here. I'm in this business working for Coach, and I see how guys are really using accessories to express their style, and the business is 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 taking off. Uh, maybe I can I can make something of this, which is like combining fashion and accessories with this opportunity to really, really help American makers gain exposure and grow their businesses. So I, I didn't know if it would be a good idea, but I knew it was an idea that 
was worth exploring. Uh, so I left my job and spent like a few weeks, you know, talking to friends, people in the business, building a business strategy. And then I just started attacking it and launched online by Father's Day of that year. And then a year, we opened the store here. How did you find the space on 10th Street? I, one of my favorite ramen shops in the city is right next door, Rai Rai Ken. Um, they used to just be two doors down. So they've always been on this block. And I was looking at retail spaces in Williamsburg and then in Soho. And I live in the West Village. I've always loved the village. And when we were doing all these pop-up shops for the lodge, we're doing them in Brooklyn. We had done a few like in the Metropolitan Pavilion in Chelsea. And I just sensed that like people really related to, to what we were doing and they really wanted to talk about it and they were curious. And we were getting guys emailing us saying, can I come try on the bags or look at the wallets in person? And I had this loft studio in, in Greenpoint. And I was like, well, we're, we're set up as an e-commerce retailer. We're not set up as a place to like come try stuff out. So that was happening a lot. And I didn't actually have the strategy to open a store. When I started, I was like, we're gonna be an online retailer. As those things were happening, I was like, well, we need to open a store because really, uh, even though my background was retail, that wasn't part of the strategy that people are really going to be able to appreciate what we're doing in, in the stories of these makers if we can tell them in person. So that's when I started looking for stores. And then I was having around my next door and the space had opened up. It used to be a gallery. I was like, this is a great spot. It's in the neighborhood I like. It's very New York. Like I wanted to be local. That's why I was, I was thinking of Soho because it's a shopping district, but it doesn't anymore feel like, it felt like a mall. Yeah. So I was like, I need, I want to be local. I was worried that it's, it's a side street. It's in the middle of the block. Um, but as I spent more time here and I was seeing the, the people who were coming to the, to the restaurants and the shops that were on 11th, that the neighborhood was pretty vibrant and enough to support a men's business. And what kind of guys do you see coming in here? All kinds of guys. The one thing that, that we see in common is that we're in New York City, a, repu a city with a reputation for people who are very busy and who may be short with people who want something from them. And what we get is generally friendly people. And I think it's a response to the environment, but also our approach to, to the people who visit us. Mm -hmm. And I can't identify why that is, but we generally get people smiling. What can you tell me about your approach when somebody walks in the door? We always welcome them. And as... I think about the male shopping journey and I'm a guy and I've been in the fashion and retail business for a long, long time. And the way I like to shop is different than, way, than the way maybe one of my friends likes to shop and certainly different than the way my girlfriend likes to shop. And for me, I like to take it all in before I really dive into a particular need. Um, and I'm the same way, whether it's shopping for fashion, whether it's shopping for grooming products. I kind of, I'm, I like to collect information mentally and then like before I'm ready to engage, some people just, they're, they're, they, want, they want to know right away. They've got questions that like help me with this. And so what's important is we, we, we give people the space to take in the fact that we have 250 square feet full of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And if you're new here, we can't just start interviewing you about your product need, about your needs and your skincare needs because you're like, what is this place? Yeah. So the thing we tend to open with is like, we want to know about them. How's your day? Mm -hmm. You know, what brought you in? 
do you live in the neighborhood? Well, we're interested mostly in like the people in their journey in their day mm -hmm. and whether they're New Yorker, whether they're visiting before we even consider talking about like, this is the best hyaluronic moisturizer, you know, for that's going to work for your skin. That's been consistent since we started the company. I do love the way that you have the shop set up. It's so much less overwhelming than a Sephora or, yeah. you know, a lot of the beauty shops that I go into looking for like makeup or skincare because I mean, firstly, it's small, but secondly, everything is so clearly organized. And I think that that's got to be really helpful for, for the people coming in, whether they have experience with buying these kinds of products or not. Can you tell me about how you choose the products that you have in the store? You know, I said I'm like always gathering information when I'm shopping. I'm the same way when I'm thinking about the marketplace that I'm working in. In this field of men's grooming and men's beauty, I spend a lot of time looking to the women's beauty market, understanding the ingredient trends that are happening, um, the, the products that are there. Um, I do that because that's where the innovation and technologies happen, but it's also often an entry point for a man into the product because he's stealing his wife's or his girlfriend's products because they're there. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of understanding those cues. Most of the time I go out looking for a brand or a product based on a need or based on my understanding of the that brand's appeal. We have brands in the store that are very, very well-known men's grooming brands, like Baxter of California is one, Anthony's another. These were early pioneers in the men's grooming space. Both of them have been in business for 20 plus years. So they're identifiable for a guy shopping for grooming products. Mm -hmm. And then we have more niche brands that might be relatively new in the marketplace, but they have a formula that I think is, is really great and is going to help the guys who are coming in here. From there, we always get samples and all of us try the product over a period of time uh, to understand what it does, what it doesn't do. Um, and then we make a decision as a team, like, is this something that we think will be appropriate for our guys? Mm -hmm. um, and that process is, could be a few months. How do you manage the price point of the product? I think about the fact that what I want guys to, I want everyone to participate in this. So every man needs to wash his face with a product that's designed to wash his face and to moisturize his face with, with a product that's designed to moisturize his face, not his body. That is a need regardless of age, regardless of income, regardless of their priorities in life. Those two things do a lot of work to help protect and maintain the skin. And I, I bring that up relative to price point because in, when I think about that, that means if, you're, if you don't have a lot to spend on this, then I need an inexpensive options. And then if you want sort of the, the Mercedes Benz of skincare, I have that choice too. And then I have a range in between. So in each category, I think about how do I how do I make sure I have things that solve uh, price point, but also skin type and need, and I sort that way. Mm -hmm. Why you should not use body lotion on your face? The the thing about men's skin is that our skin is oilier, generally oilier than a woman's skin, and that's like general. That's general because of hormones. Because and of hormones, mm -hmm. and that starts to level off the older a guy gets 
um, the, the oil production in your skin, the sebum production, starts to decline. Once you get into your 40s, your skin tends to st start veering drier. Um, but when you're certainly younger, um, that, there's a lot of oil there. Body lotions are too thick. So they're going to add extra oil to your face um, that you're not actually going to need. Um, so we get this question a lot, like, is it better to use a body lotion than nothing? Yes, it is. So long as your skin can tolerate it. But more often than not, if your skin, if you have any type of combination skin or oily skin, a body lotion is going gonna, is gonna to be too thick and add too much oil to your face. The best face lotions don't leave any coating. They don't leave any shine. And those tend to be more water-based products that use like a hyaluronic acid water moisturizer to keep moisture, to keep water in the skin, not just oil, where body lotions tend to really be focused on oils. What are some of the most common questions that you get asked in the shop? So it ranges from, we get this one every day, which is like, I, I don't do anything. What, how, how, should how do I start? I start? Mm -hmm. um, and that is what I expect we will get a lot of because I've been there. You know, I used to use, when I was younger, one of those all-in-one products that I got at like CVS. So a body wash, a shampoo, uh, conditioner all-in-one. And I was like, that's fine. It worked. And when you're younger, you know, your skin can seem to tolerate more. Mm -hmm. So to get someone from that stage to, you actually need specific products for each of those uses. That's where we help a lot of people. And then the next question we get is like, well, what's my skin type? Like, how do I know? How do I know what my skin type is? Really, it's a, just a series of questions we ask, we ask guys. Like, do you, ever, do you ever break out? Do you ever get any breakouts? Where does that happen? If the answer is no to that, their skin generally is in the normal range. Um, and then we ask, do you ever get any flaky skin, any dry patches, any discoloration? Those are signs of like a dry skin. If any of those are things that, are, that someone answers yes to, we know the kinds of ingredients and products that are going to help. Those are kind of the two most common questions. Uh, one we get somewhat frequently is why do I need to do anything? You know, one of the main answers to that is you don't have to do anything. Like we can't tell you that you look great. So what we can tell you though is you want to start preventing. So the, you, you'll edit this well, but like the, the thing about skincare is it's cumulative. So the things that show up that impact your skin or like hit your skin when you're young could show up 20 years later. So if you spend a lot of time in the sun without sun protection, without SPF, that eventually will show up in your skin. The same is true of what you might think of wrinkles or like under eye bags. Those often can be triggered earlier. So the earlier you start on a regimen of taking care of your skin, it's a long-term plan. If you, if you think of it as like brushing your teeth, I brush my teeth, I'm gonna wash my face, put a moisturizer on, and then it's sunny, I'm gonna put sunscreen on. That does so much work. So we can't, uh, you know, we don't wanna make anyone do something they don't feel like they wanna do, and we'd never try. All we can do is educate. What's your routine? I have a lot of products. <laughs> and to be totally frank, I don't, I use, I use a lot of products that we sell, and then there are products that we don't sell that I use. 
So every morning I use, I use one of our man shop face washes. It's one of our products. My skin now, I'm in my mid forties. It's neither oily nor dry. It's, it's dry when it's winter time and it's dry in New York City. So I don't need so much of a deep cleaning or a pore cleanser in my face wash. I just need a, something that's going to do the, it's pretty gentle. And then I put on a peptide serum, a copper peptide serum from The Ordinary. So that's doing some repair work on the, the surface of my skin. And then I put on a vitamin C serum. Vitamin C helps brighten the skin. As, as I'm aging, I'm getting more spots on my face. The vitamin C works to like reduce those. And I, I have two different products that I use. One is Ursa Major Vitamin C. And then I also use an ordinary vitamin C and silicone. And then I top it off with a moisturizer. So my current moisturizer is the Face Fortress, also from the Man Shop. I, it took me a while to find a moisturizer that I like that didn't leave a film on my face. And so I spent about six months developing that with a lab. Um, and now we sell it. And then I put on a sunscreen before I go outside. Good for you. I do it every day of the year. And the reason is UVA rays come from the sun, no matter whether it's cloudy or sunny. And those rays, if you spend 10 or 15 minutes outside, walking to and from the office, or for me, going to the shop, it starts to accumulate. So even though it may not be sunny, this, the sun is coming through. So I always use a daily sunscreen. I like separating the products of a moisturizer and a sunscreen. There are plenty of options. We even sell them that combine them. The downside of that is you usually don't put on enough sunscreen because you need more sunscreen on your face in terms of quantity than you do moisturizer. That's my morning routine. And then at night, I uh, wash my face with the same face wash. And then I put on uh, a retinol serum from different brands. Like right now I'm using, uh, I think I'm using The Ordinaries, uh, but I've, I'm, I always have something. But retinol is one of the best things you can do um, for acne, which I don't have anymore, but anti-aging um, for the skin. But it's best to put that on at night. And that's it. I don't put on a night moisturizer, do any creams or anything like that. That's the regimen I'm in now. And it's kind of evolved to this. And it's kind of working. The only thing sometimes I'll put on a little under eye when it's been a busy week and I'm looking tired. A little, but, like, it's like concealer, yeah. right? Well, this is a, it's like a, it's a, it'll be a caffeine based. The main ingredient would be like caffeine and aloe. Mm -hmm. And what that's doing is like, it'll resolve the puffiness under your eyes and mm -hmm. it adds moisture. And I tend to get that when I'm not sleeping well or like if I just feel conscious about it. Mm -hmm. If I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, I'm carrying some luggage under my eyes. Uh, I need to fix that. Uh, so I'll, I'll do that. I, that's kind of a new thing uh, in my 40s, really being aware of kind of what's going on around my eyes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I do a concealer if I'm like giving a presentation. Um, we have some here. Um, and that's a new product, right? It's a new product. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we started carrying when we made this flip over of the shop to a grooming store. And I wasn't sure what the response would be among guys having essentially what are elements of weight makeup in, in men's skincare. But guys have really been into it, especially the concealer idea, um, because they have the same minds that I do, which is uh, some days I need to look like fresh and youthful and I'm on it and I'm, may not be feeling that way. 
So the concealer helps helps with that. Mm -hmm. Something women have known most of their lives, guys are kind of just catching up. I'm aware, I'm hyper sensitive to what the labeling and the packaging looks like so that there's not a question that it's it would be appropriate to have on a guy's bathroom sink. Mm. And I think neutral colors are important. I think it should be obvious on the package what it does or what it is. So I think some straightforwardness is important. I like pink. I wear pink clothing, but I don't know that I would put in a line of, of, of pink bottles into the store because I don't. I feel like unless the formula was was superior to any product that we had, the there are, there are brands that focus on men's grooming products and then there are brands that are unisex and we have unisex brands in the store as well. So the, the packaging and the brands that we carry generally have a more, a less feminine bent to them. In some cases it's hyper-masculine and that's often a result of how those brands package their products. So, mm-hmm. so you also sort of make a point of using both beauty and grooming as Mm -hmm. terms. Can you talk about the difference between those two words and how you use them? The the industry for men's, this kind of product is called the men's grooming industry by people in the industry. I actually don't like the word men's grooming because it seems like a passive activity. So uh, you know, you, you take your pet to get groomed. Uh, you talk about someone getting groomed and it's, it's something that's done to them, but it's actually something we need people to participate in and own. And so the, the grooming term to me doesn't really apply. I use it a lot because that's what kind of the world relates to and they understand it when I say it. I haven't come up with a better word for it. So I use men's beauty because actually what we are doing is helping people feel better about the way they look. How has the concept for the business changed between the lodge, which was the original business here, right? Yes. And now Consigliere. The When I started the lodge coming up on six years ago, um, it was a it was a specific mission. And that mission was to support the work of American makers through accessories. Um, I identified accessories. There, there are plenty of great apparel makers and shoemakers, but just what I wanted to focus on because I was inter- interested in, I thought also at the time guys were expressing their style through accessories six years ago. Um, that was the mission of the company. So all the makers we've worked with over the years have all been craftsmen making things here in here in America and it spanned different kinds of accessories so the accessories world would be made up of bags wallets like bracelets ties hats scarves things that you wear that aren't clothing or shoes we always had a little bit of grooming products but the focus was really that and over time what we were seeing was we were helping these brands grow and then with the ease of e-commerce in the world, they were developing their own businesses direct to consumer, which is great because we felt like we were achieving goal, their goal. We had the same goal, which is like help them get exposure and grow their business. And I was doing that by introducing them physically, the products physically to guys in New York City and then through our e-commerce business to guys around the world. Over time, as, as we were achieving this, what we saw bubbling up was guys having curiosity about grooming products and asking us for advice on solving 
adult acne, thinning beards, hair loss, what's the best natural deodorant? And I had essentially three feet of grooming products, you know, three feet wide shelves going up to the ceiling and that's all the product we have. I couldn't solve all those needs. And it just became evident that there was something that we could do to help guys more than offering wallets, bags, socks, those sort of things. And our space is small. So in order to, to make a change, if I'm gonna stay in this neighborhood, which I love this neighborhood, uh, I had to flip the business. It's been two years in the, in the making in terms of me thinking about it. And I'm an entrepreneur, but I, I don't do it for the money. I do it because I wanna help people and I wanna like, I, I think if there's, a, if there's enough consumer demand and there's enough interest in something, then a business can be made out of it and we can direct effort, capital, and a team to it. I felt like the time was right. For two years, I kept thinking someone's gonna open a Sephora for guys. You know, if, if you were like headlining it, you'd say it's like a Sephora for guys. And I didn't know why no one ever is doing it. I still don't know. You know, this is, guys are interested. Guys are aware of the role of their skin and the way they look and feel in their lives. And, you know, it's like no one is really helping them. And that's why I made the change. So the concept is, has evolved in that we're still focused on helping guys and it's addressing the way they look and how they feel. The products that we have for them have shifted from those accessories to, to grooming products. But Korea is kind of the epicenter of, of skincare te technology and you feel it when you get there because there are, there's, there's, there are stores that just sell skincare masks. There are stores that have every kind of, of, of beauty products. And the men's market there is quite developed. It's not uncommon for a man in Korea to wear makeup to have a 10-step beauty routine. And so I needed to understand what that was about. The ingredients that are often in natural skincare are grown in Indonesia, India, China, Southeast Asia. So if I'm going to learn about the, the kinds of natural products and ingredients that are important in skincare and beauty, I should probably go to where those things are made. What's your relationship with the neighborhood like now or with the other business owners? It's great. Like we have a very good relationship with the, 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 the Japanese businesses on our street. We had a good relationship with some of the men's stores that used to be in the neighborhood, like Cadet with Odin. And then other times I'm focused on running the, the things that I'm doing. So I, it is something I feel like I could be better at and we could be better at. But we, we refer people, if our mission is to help people, which it is, if we don't have something that can help someone, we send them somewhere else. And if they, if they're, they ask us for recommendations for food, where to get my clothes tailored, you know, whatever that service need is, we send them to people in the neighborhood because that's, that's what it's about mm -hmm. is, is helping each other and keeping people shopping in these small businesses. You know, honestly, it took me a while as an owner to, to think about it as a small business because I, I thought we, ha we have a big, with the lodge, a big global audience and we're sending a lot of product across the world as well as across the U.S. And only a small part of our business online was New York City. So I was, I spent a lot of my focus on that and marketing that. And then over time, it was like, we have this, this beautiful thing going on in New York where people were really able to connect with guys. And so we started hosting events and, and that kind of thing to, to kind of say, thank you. You know, thanks for, 
being a part of the lodge, how it's evolved. Like it took me because I came from this big corporate background. It took me a while to like to say, actually, I really need to think local. Mm-hmm. And how do you think having the brick and mortar here in the East Village has impacted the brand and the business as a whole? I think it's been a huge positive because um, it's an experience. Like it's the what we as humans need is to like engage with other people as easy it is to sit on my couch and and shop online it's it's there's no connection it's a transaction um i'm not able to ask questions i'm not able to have a dialogue with someone i'm not able to have someone suggest something to me that i never would have thought about and those are the kinds of things that you can't really replace in person And, and even more like the we will have guys come in and just chat about anything going on in their lives. It's not, like, I honestly don't care if someone is not interested in grooming products. They just want to come in and talk about their relationship or talk about their job or whatever that is. That's the kind of place we've always been about. So people will come in and just chat with us. I love that because there are so few places that you can do that um, in New York. And guys discuss with us things that they probably don't even discuss with their buddies, you know? And that's that to me is a special thing that's hard. I didn't know that I'd be able to create something like that. And the biggest thing that I worry about in making the change with the store is because the aesthetic is different. And I took the leather chair away because there wasn't space that people would feel like, oh, this is not the same place I can come and like chat. And what we want people to know is it's the same team. We love chatting it up with people who like hearing about what's going on in your life. And whether you're interested in buying something from us or not, it's not really, doesn't matter. I want you to come say hi and hang out. Where do you see the future of Consiglier going? You know, I hope that we can resonate with enough people um, and bring this to more audiences in the city. I'm really focused on New York City because there are plenty of guys in New York who don't wash their face and use a moisturizer. So if I can get all of those guys to add that into their grooming regimen. There's a lot of air particles here, too. Yes. You definitely want to be washing your there's face. There's a lot of environmental pollution. Yeah. So I'm hyper-focused on like making it the best men's beauty store, even if it's the only one, in, in New York. So one question that we always ask at the end is whether there's anything that we haven't talked about yet today yeah. that has not been said about you, that you haven't had the chance to say about yourself or your business that you would like to get out there. I think um, from my own journey and experience, it's definitely way harder than I that I would have thought. I think like most people who are passionate about an idea and want to pursue that and make a business out of it, the focus on making and executing that idea becomes your your focus and mission. Ideas are easy. Making them into something is the hard work. That's why uh, most people don't start businesses because they have ideas and they can be really good ideas, but making, making a sustainable business out of it and motivating other people to work on that idea is really hard work, no matter the scale that you're op- operating at. And it, it's not for everyone. It really isn't. If you're going to start a business, whether it's a retail business, if you're starting a consulting firm, an advertising firm, a florist, whatever your passion is, you might have a really great idea, but you have to be 
aware and comfortable with the sacrifices that will come with that. And those sacrifices really are entailed with like your time, money, energy, and think about how committed, how important is that idea to you and what, what's your kind of exit point? So like, I'm going to pursue this till this happens. Or if I don't meet my first year projection or second year projection, what happens? What will I do? And if you can think about those things ahead of time, you can set really good guardrails for like knowing whether the idea is a good business or not. Because there are different things. A good idea doesn't necessarily mean it's a good business. Plenty of good businesses have been started on not really good ideas and succeeded. So, you know, I'd, I'd really want people to think about that. The other thing that's really important is that you want to ask for you want to ask for help before you need it. So, you're, most people are surrounded by friends, family, and network of people who are happy to help if they know that you need the help and would like to know they they want to feel a part of your journey before you actually need the help. That's like a really important thing. Uh, because you know, like what you guys are doing is tremendously helpful and uh, is a really powerful thing in New York City for small businesses. And I think that you know you're you're able if someone were to ask you to to come up with a plan to help market their business to connect with other small business owners or whatever that might be, and uh, just knowing that there's a network that does exist is a is a really special thing. The asking for help and tapping into that is not easy for, for a lot of people who are like driven by like running a business. Thanks so much for listening. My name is Ellie and this has been a podcast by Manhattan Sideways. If you're interested in learning more about this business or about the thousands of other small businesses on the side streets of Manhattan, be sure to check out our website, www.sideways.nyc and follow us on social media, at NY Sideways. See you next time.